1: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about food and drink. I'm your host and Scotsman food and drink writer, Rosalind Erskine. I'll bring you episodes filled to the brim with some of the best food and drink guests on the Scottish food and drink scene, from top chefs to whiskey aficionados. Hopefully I'll also give you some ideas and tips for cooking and creating drinks at home as we face this current crisis together. This episode is brought to you in association with the Glasgow Distillery Company, and I'll be chatting to consultant and author Blair Bowman, who shares why he came up with the concept of World Whiskey Day, which falls on the 16th of May this year. We'll chat all things drams.
0: I think it was when I was told very early on that, you know, whiskey's made, a single malt whiskey's made from three ingredients water, malted barley, and yeast. And they're all made from the same as three simple. Key raw ingredients, but they all taste so different.
1: John McChain, Master Brand Ambassador for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, discusses the society, what it offers members, and how you can arrange a whiskey tasting at home.
2: But I think the best thing to do is just to try to get people to interact, see what they're getting, because some people are shy, and everybody will get something different.
1: I also spoke to Kirsty McCarroll, founder of the Edinburgh Whiskey Academy, about their online courses and how we can use our free time at home to learn more about our national drink.
3: You know, central to my sort of goal was that the information had to be brand neutral and that the content was created and delivered by experts, by the people who actually did that job day to day. And finally,
1: I share a favourite lockdown meal and drink idea that you can try at home. So just fill a glass with ice, it can be as tall a drink as you want. I've got quite a short one here, but it's quite good tall. Do a shot of Ben Hello everyone and welcome to episode three of season two of Scran. This series will now be out on Fridays on a fortnightly basis. I'm now recording this episode from my flat in Glasgow, as like many of you listening, I'm now working from home. Whilst this current lockdown may mean we're enjoying food and drink in the home, we are still here to keep alive the love of food. And if you're eating and drinking good scran at home, I'd love to hear so please get in touch with me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. This week I chatted with author and whisky consultant Blair Bowman as I'm keen to find out more about World Whisky Day and his thoughts behind creating it, especially when it was at a time when whisky wasn't as popular as it is now. Blair also talked to me about his career to date, which if you follow him on social media is pretty cool, as well as advice for people looking to get into the whisky business. Plus, if you've ever wondered about whisky tasting notes, he's got the answers. Hello Blair. Hi Ros. How are you? I'm doing great, yeah. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you getting on working from home? I'm quite
0: used to it. I mean, I never really used to work from home. I used to prefer working from cafes, so that's been the the main difference for me is my espresso machine has been getting quite work out. it didn't used to
1: but you're you're are all right you're not finding it too weird apart from the lack of coffee yeah no i'm doing all right actually keeping
0: quite busy There's a lot of interesting things that have been happening for me in terms of consulting projects so still going ahead and things that can kind of be planned for 2021. So yeah, it's still going ahead really well.
1: That's good. Um, So obviously we're in May now, which is, feels weird because uh, time has no meaning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, World Whiskey Day is this month, which is the 16th of May, I think. Yeah. You founded this. So can you tell me a bit about the inspiration behind it? Because correct me if I'm wrong, it was at a time when whiskey maybe wasn't as popular.
0: Yeah, that's right. So it was when I was um, studying abroad. So I was, I was living in Barcelona and it was 2011. Um, and I was really into whiskey and I'd set up a whiskey club at Aberdeen University where I was studying. And yeah, I mean, whiskey was in quite a different place in kind of 2008, 2009 when we set up the whiskey club. Um, and then by 2011, I was quite quite deeply embedded within being involved in setting up this club, but also just connected with lots of brands through the whiskey club. Um, so it was when I was in Barcelona, I saw one day it was World Gin Day. And that was a global trending topic on Twitter. Twitter was probably still relatively new, I guess, at that time. Um, And I wanted to find when World Whiskey Day was and typed it into Google and couldn't find anything about it. And the World Gin Day, people had worldginday.com, which was just a really nice kind of landing page that basically said, today's World Gin Day. This is what you can do. These are the places that are celebrating it. So I typed in worldwhiskeyday.com and the domain was available. So I just bought it straight away and then made a very similar kind of simple landing page. Initially, I got a friend to help. We had a kind of Google map with pins of people that had contacted us to tell us what they were doing. And it just kind of just grew very quickly and very organically from there.
1: And why did you pick um, May? It's, it's what is it the second or second third Saturday, third Saturday night?
0: So that was actually partly in conjunction with Scottish government. Um, so they'd designated that year that was coming, the year after actually, the year was coming to be the year of food and drink, and May was going to be designated as Whiskey Month and still is Whisky Month. And that was partly because of reasons like Spur of Spaceside Festival which has always been at the start the first weekend of May. And then the last weekend or the last week of May has always been the Isla Whiskey Festival. So they just thought it was a really nice kind of way to tie in more whiskey related events into May. So we went for the, the third Saturday in May, which is kind of bang in the middle.
1: And um, so you were saying that um, you've always been into whiskey. Do you know why that is? Like, what's your earliest whiskey memory?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a really, that's a really good question. I don't know why, really. I just kind of, I got the bug. Um, I don't have any kind of family connections to the drinks industry or anything like that. Um, I mean, my dad had tried to give me whiskey when I was you know, younger and just you know, obviously hated it and the taste of it was horrible. I mean, the first memory of a time that I enjoyed, it was actually my summer of leaving uh, secondary school and going to university. So I'd kind of recently turned 18 and was obviously, I'd always been quite interested in different flavors and experiences. So I remember at a house party, someone had brought a bottle of Laphroaig and trying that for the first time, just thinking that. I couldn't tell in the first few seconds whether or not I loved it or I hated it, but I'd, I'd never tasted anything quite like that. So it just kind of piqued my interest. So then it was when I'd moved to Aberdeen that I kind of just got a bit more interested in trying more. And I think it was when I was told very early on that, you know, whiskey's made a single malt whiskeys made from three ingredients, water, malted barley, and yeast. And they're all made from the same as three simple key raw ingredients, but they all taste so different. I think that was what got me really interested and I just had to go and find more and discover more.
1: And this has kind of led you on this journey of um, like a few years ago whiskey, single malt whiskey especially, was this kind of slight old man drink. You could only drink it straight or on the rocks and it didn't seem very accessible to maybe younger people. And for me anyway, you've been one of the people who's kind of tried to broaden people's horizons with this, you know, drink it the way you want, have it with coke, have it in a cocktail. Is that how your journey started? You had the Lefroy and you just experimented yourself and tried to push that message out there?
0: Yeah, and just started to find things that I enjoyed or started to experiment more with looking at the history of kind of whiskey cocktails and seeing how you know i'd say more than any other spirit there's such a diverse range of flavors to start with That then that how does that then play into a highball or into an old-fashioned or into a you know penicillin or using it in other alternatives so making like a pina colada but using a base whiskey that has a kind of nice tropical kind of fruity flavor to it so just that was the kind of experimentation side of things just started to discover that it is really versatile and actually all this baggage that whiskey has is just complete nonsense it doesn't help anyone why why should it be so precious and I, I get that there's a time and a place to really you know nose and taste and analyze whiskey but there's also just a place to enjoy it and I think whiskey is great for that.
1: And was it this um, sort of experimentation that got you into your consultancy work?
0: I mean it's just all been a really organic journey you know it was I would never have thought that this that what I'm doing now is what I'd be doing, but I absolutely love it and would never want to change that. Um, you know, I studied languages and thought, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do, but, you know, it's just that at that age when you leave school, you're kind of told to go to university and do a subject. And at that time, I enjoyed languages, so I did languages, but I didn't really know what that was going to lead to. But actually, it's been really fortunate. I did Spanish and Chinese and I'm now getting to use my languages you know, with clients which is really nice
1: yeah that must be an added bonus because there's not many people who are very fluent in language especially chinese that must be great
0: yeah i mean it's, it's just a nice surprise really when i'm able to kind of have a bit of a conversation with someone that is they're always quite taken aback but i can have a bit of a chat um
1: nice so one of the uh, one of the other people i'm going to speak to this week is kirsty from the edinburgh whiskey academy did you have anything to do with their courses
0: yes so before kirsty and her brother ian launched the edinburgh whiskey Academy. They contacted me to, uh, and commissioned me to write one of the modules mm-hmm. uh, for the course. So I wrote the Business of Whiskey module, which people get sent out in advance of doing the actual course. So they do that as pre-reading. Um, and uh, they also get sent another one uh, by, I think it's Gavin D. Smith, who wrote the history of whiskey. So they get to read all of that before they turn up to the first day of lessons.
1: The whiskey industry, I suppose, is kind of a bit like the wine industry in the sense that it might not seem accessible to everyone. But if anyone follows you or like brand ambassadors, you can see that you travel a lot, you get to meet a lot of new people and it looks absolutely brilliant. So for anyone listening who fancies a career in the whiskey industry, do you have any advice?
0: That's a really good question. I get um, really lovely uh, emails from people quite often, actually, who say they really want to kind of get a start in the industry and where to go. I mean, there's a couple of places that have been historically great kind of... Um, kind of grounds to go and learn and you know explore in and then go off into the industry. And those places really are places like the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and the Scotch Whiskey Experience. Um they're often hiring staff. I mean, obviously things are different now, but in normal circumstances, they're always looking, I think, to hire staff who are just passionate and interested and engaged um, and want to learn more about whiskey. And the training and the kind of the opportunities that they give you are fantastic. And if you look at the alumni of people who have worked there, who are now, you know, either you know global brand ambassadors or distillery managers, or all sorts. That's a really great place to kind of get the fundamentals of whiskey and then go off into different avenues within the industry.
1: Nice. We've just actually, um, I got Gordon, um, my boyfriend, a, a membership for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society for his mm. Christmas, and the um, the latest magazines just arrived. And there's a picture.
0: Yeah, mine just arrived yesterday. Actually,
1: there's I am somewhere in the background of the launch of the Glasgow Bar. So. <laughs> Ah nice.
0: I was <laughs> I was meant to be at that um, but I couldn't make it. And it was I think that was it must have been about the week before lockdown.
1: It was. Or it was.
0: Two weeks before lockdown. It was all it was I just remember it all being very busy around that time. And I just unfortunately I couldn't make it through to Glasgow. Um and it's a shame that they've had to close so quickly after opening. Um but I'm sure people will flood back in when things get lifted.
1: Yeah, he's very much like he was dying to just turn around one night and go, I'm off to my club, but he's not able to <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So one of the other things that you've done is um, you've written a book, which is the whisky tube map. Um, So can you just tell me a bit about that?
0: Yes. So I met um, a woman called Nikki Welsh, who's a wine expert at an industry event a couple of years ago. And she showed me her wine tube map that she'd made, which was basically this lovely way of exploring the flavours of wine broken down as if it was a kind of tube map or a subway map with every line being a flavour and every stop being a different grape or a different type of wine. Um, and I just said to her at the time, you know, I think this would work really, really well for whiskey. So very soon after that, we met up and just kind of explored that idea. And very quickly, we'd put everything together. Um, it was really kind of over the course of a summer, we managed to pool all together the different flavors. And then because she'd been through the process once before uh, with her publisher, it meant that it was a lot more kind of straightforward in terms of how we created a consistency between her wine tube map to the whiskey tube map and now she's also produced a beer tube map uh, with a beer expert all kind of using the same way of traveling around flavor based on a kind of as if it was a subway map
1: yeah so it's quite an, like an easy easy to use guide then because yeah i mean it's something
0: that i used to face a lot in kind of tastings was that people would say you know what their favorite whiskey was but they went into a bar but didn't understand how their favorite whiskey would relate to other ones mm-hmm. based on flavor they would understand the geography a lot of the time but You know, as people are seeing in the industry, industry, the geography of whiskey isn't really meaning so much anymore. It used to be quite a useful way of breaking down whiskey, um, but nowadays it's kind of less relevant. So the idea of this map is you can find your favourite whiskies on the map. And then if you like that one, the stations on either side of it, you'll also like because they're related in terms of flavour and so on and so on. So you can start to explore around the world of whiskey quite quickly that way.
1: Sounds good. Well, since we are at home, there's no getting away from the current lockdown that we're still in. Mm. How do you think the pandemic and the lockdown has affected the whiskey industry?
0: It's interesting because, I mean, I think we're going to end up with some sort of massive glut of hand sanitizer at the end of this, <laughs>
2: yeah. because
0: we've been making like millions of litres a week. And I've put forward an idea, and I think it's going to happen, is hand sanitizer tasting um, after the lockdown, <laughs> where we compare all the different... <laughs> <laughs> the different hand sanitizers um, from different distilleries, just to see if there's a difference or not. Yeah, <laughs> <I know laughs> so, so obviously, it, huh? we'll only make sure if there's um, surplus, but I think there will be. I think what's going to be interesting is in from what I've, from what I've heard, there's you know some of the distilleries have stopped all production entirely, and some are on a kind of reduced production level, like fifty percent. So what could be an issue though is like in ten years' time, when for, say for example Ben Romack want to make their ten year old whiskey they might not have as much so it, I think we're not going to see the long term effect for a while but I think there will be if we're not producing at the same levels we used to.
1: So do you think will that make certain, I was going to say vintage you know I mean certain years quite rare yeah. then in the future like so.
0: Yeah it could I mean so it could be that the 2020 you know year will be you know basically they'll have had you know January February full production March might have kind of trickled down a bit and then depending from company to company, how they've been able to operate. It could just be that there's a lot, there's just a massive reduction in stock. So it could be that at that time when they're coming to release their 10-year-old or whatever their core vintages are for that year, it might just be that they have to move to non-age statements or come up with some other kind of creative way of filling that gap if there is a gap. But I don't think we'll see that impact for some time to come, but it could affect affect pricing, it could affect supply, but it won't be seen for a while yet
1: mm-hmm. and to wait and see it'll be interesting and just to circle back to world whiskey day are you is there any plans for like online tastings or do you have anything in the pipeline
0: yeah we've got quite a few ideas on uh, on what's going to happen um i can't say too much yet because it's all going to be announced quite soon but basically uh, stay tuned to the world whiskey day uh, facebook and kind of social media because there's going to be quite a few exciting online kind of surprises happening Um, And they'll be announced in the next few weeks, I think.
1: Nice. And any specific dram that you'll be having on World Whiskey Day?
0: I I tend to have a couple, obviously, (laughs) on on World Whiskey Day. I don't want to stick to just one or two. I'll probably have quite a few cocktails, I think, as well. Um, I think for me, it's really, it's not really about what the whiskey is. It's just about the sharing it with others. I think that's the nicest thing about World Whiskey Day. And this year, we'll just have to be doing that, you know, online with others rather than, you know, big groups and big events. But it's just interesting to to just connect with people. And we're quite lucky that this has happened in a time when technology is so advanced that we can have, you know, hundreds of people on a Zoom call all sharing and connecting and sharing what they're drinking. And I think that's quite a nice thing.
1: And are you quite happy with, um, so obviously you started World Whiskey Day and it's advanced. Are you quite happy with um, how it's kind of gone over the last few years? Because you started it obviously and it's now, it's another company that's running it, isn't it?
0: Yes, so I sold it quite a few years ago now to uh, White Light Media, who are based in Edinburgh. Um, and it's just because I felt I'd grown it to a level that I could only take it so far on my own and it needed kind of a bigger uh, kind of team around it. And I felt it was nice to kind of hand the baton on to someone else. But I've still been very closely involved with them ever since as a kind of consultant and spokesperson and kind of still credited as founder and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just I think it's just really lovely to see how it's still growing. And it's you know it has reached this point now where it's in media calendars and brand diaries and it's it's just really it's still very surreal actually when i see it's normally the kind of the days after world whiskey day year and i see this kind of influx of huge amounts of images and videos and stuff from people that have been you know celebrating in india and australia and fiji and you know all across the world and it's it is surreal that it's a thing that i kind of made up in my head when i was you know living in barcelona in 2011 yeah it's, it's really lovely Actually, and when I get messages from people who say, you know, they've been saving onto a specific, very, you know, old and rare bottle of whiskey to open at the you know, wedding anniversary or the birth of their child or whatever, they, they didn't do it and they just needed that excuse. So they decided to do it on World Whiskey and share that with friends. I think that's really nice to hear.
1: And is it stories like that that sort of confirmed to you that it was important to start an, an international whiskey day like World Whiskey Day?
0: Yeah, I mean, seeing seeing all these kind of things just reinforces that there's, there is a demand and there is a, an appetite for this and you know for a lot of people every day is World Whiskey Day and that's that's fine for them because they drink whiskey all the time but for me it was always about getting other people excited about it and getting other people to engage with it like on St Patrick's Day when people suddenly think oh it's St Patrick's Day I'll have a Guinness and they never ever normally have Guinness and people just sometimes need that little nudge to try something new yeah
1: Uh, So we also have a um, quickfire question round, which is more to do with food. Um, And it's five quickfire questions. If you just tell me the first thing that comes into your mind, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Whenever I'm I'm hungry, I think of... Uh,
0: I'm going to say hummus. (laughs) I don't know why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Comfort food for me is...
0: Oh, probably a pepperoni pizza.
1: My favourite childhood dessert is? Uh, Krannikin. My food heaven is? Cheese. And my food hell is? Fish. Oh. Um, And just sorry quickly, just because I've actually been meaning to ask you this myself, Mm -hmm. how, so people who are just getting into whiskey, um, there's all the taste and notes and things and you've obviously are very well experienced at that type of thing. Can you teach yourself how to taste whiskey properly just on your own time? Yes.
0: Definitely, and it's just something that takes a bit of practice. And again, uh, during my experimental phase, <laughs> I'm calling it, which I'd never thought about it, that I had before, um, I I did a lot to kind of improve that. So it was when I was living in Spain, um, I lived near a local market, just a kind of generic kind of uh, fruit and vegetable market, and every week I would go and visit and go around and just smell stuff, and I think they thought I was mad. So I was going, I was going around picking up, you know, different types of grapefruit, different types of apple. Uh, different types of citrus orange and so on so then i could start to make that association so for example like the difference between a blood orange and a normal civil orange and a you know and so on so then when i'm tasting and writing tasting notes what i'm doing is i'm it's almost like a kind of a game of guess who kind of in my mind is thinking you know is it a citrus okay what citrus is it and then taking a zoom in and thinking right let's say it's you know grapefruit is it a white grapefruit is a pink grapefruit is a red grapefruit and zooming in and just constantly kind of gradually narrowing down and then thinking you know is it you know has it been char grilled has it been is it ripe is it underripe? is it is it with something else and and so on and that's how i kind of get narrower and narrower to then think yes this is exactly it it's your pink grapefruit that's been kind of caramelized for an example um so it's something you can definitely practice and initially a lot of people think all whiskey tastes and smells like whiskey but when you start to really break it down just take your time um, and the other really important thing to remember is there's no wrong answers ever so if you smell that thing that you think you're smelling then that's great and if someone else with you doesn't smell that then that's not a problem it's just that they've got different kind of set of flavors and experiences and the way that we smell and taste things is purely based on our own our own experiences and our own flavors that we've you know had a chance to taste in our lives so it's
1: like building up a, a library of smell memories that you can kind of go back into okay
0: yeah precisely and just building up that vocabulary and then you'll get faster and faster at detecting it. and then you are like oh it's pear i know it's pear i know it's poached pear i know it's poached pear that's with you know milk chocolate or dark chocolate or what and you just you'll you become much much faster it's like any any skill you can just practice it i mean the best way to practice is with a real kind of thing uh, a real fresh you know fruit or vegetable or spice or
1: or uh, whatever it is I think the most random one i've heard recently is um on opening a bottle of whiskey uh this wasn't me this was um gordon it's he was convinced it smelled and tasted like bibles
0: nice <laughs> tasting that yeah i mean yeah you often get that kind of old book old library kind of dustiness sometimes um or like old kind of bookcases and yeah, so I mean that's a that's a good tasting note.
1: Yeah, it was it was weird. It's not what because he was like, "Oh, smell this and taste it. What do you think?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe some vanilla." And he was like, "Bibles. It's bibles." <laughs> I like, "Okay."
0: That's a funny one.
1: But thank you. No problem. And I'm sure that's everything. Great. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Speak to you later. Okay. Cheers. Bye. 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 Discover a range of award-winning craft distilled spirits from the Glasgow Distillery Company. To celebrate World Whiskey Day, why not pick up a bottle of their Glasgow 1770 Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Find out for yourself why this incredible spirit was crowned Best Lowland Whiskey at the Spirit Business Awards and has won numerous international accolades. Go to www.glasgodistillery.com to enjoy 15% off during their spring sale. And while you're there, check out their other award-winning spirits including Macargin, Banditi Club Rum and the new G52 Botanical Vodka. Thanks Blair, that was a really interesting chat and I'm now really looking forward to some jams on World Whiskey Day soon. John McChain also joined me this week to talk about the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and how you can still be sociable with a jam at home.
2: So, hi, John. Hi, Rosalind. How are you getting on? I'm doing fine. fine as, as fine as can be expected.
1: Yeah. <laughs> are you all right working from home? Are you enjoying it? Or
2: Yes, well, most of it, unless I'm out doing events and tastings, I'm normally at home anyway, you know, working through emails or doing reports or in contact with people. So it's not that strange to me. It's just not getting out at all for tasting events and visits around the world even. It kind of drives me a little bit crazy.
1: Um, so what exactly is your role within the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society?
2: I'm called a master brand ambassador. And that primarily involves interaction with members at tastings and festivals and things like that, you know. Lots of uh, email contact, lots of gatherings, even locally and further afield. Uh, I've uh, We're in 24 countries around the world now and I operate globally. So last year I was in about a dozen of those countries, sometimes more than once, introducing new members, doing tasting events, doing media events like uh, newspaper, radio, sometimes TV, that kind of thing, you know. So generally speaking, uh, my main role is to promote and develop the society.
1: And why would people join the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and how does it work as an organisation?
2: Well, People, whether they are new to whiskey or whether they regard themselves as connoisseurs, are really on a bit of a journey, They're a journey of discovery. Because even if you've been drinking whiskey, malt whiskey, blended whiskey for years and years, there's always something new happening. There's new expressions, there's new innovations and in maturation and that kind of thing. And uh, people want to keep on discovering. But if you're new to it too, uh, there's no better place to start because if you understand, we 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 work with single cask, single malt. So if you have a desire to understand what's the aromas and the parrot, there's no better place to start with single cask because many single malts are a mix of different types of cask. So it leads to that understanding of what you're actually drinking when you're not drinking SMWS whiskey. We're also represented in four venues in this country. Uh, we've got two in Edinburgh. We've got one in Glasgow, one in London. Where our members come to meet and discuss the new that new month's bottlings. Uh, and if you're a member here, you're a member everywhere. So that means you can visit partner bars across the world if you're visiting foreign countries and get our whiskey at members' prices in some of those bars. And we also have partner bars in this country too. So, for example, when I'm home in Glasgow, one of my favourite places to go is the Bon Accord, and that's... Uh, a partner bar of ours over there at Channing Cross. So it's really about kind of gathering with like minded people, sharing the whiskey, understanding uh, what it's all about, and generally having a bit of fun.
1: Sounds good. So, how would you describe the member base then?
2: I would say that uh, way back, I've been, I've been a member for a long time, and way back 25, 30 years ago, there was a certain demographic, well, it was it was tended to be older men who drank whiskey. I found that in my own family, with my father and my uncles. And they gradually, over time, that has changed. There's a culture of connoisseurship now in the younger demographic. And they don't just want to taste different things. They want to understand why these tastes are different. So they want to know about the process, about the distilleries, about the places. So they come to the society, and they're coming now in greater numbers in the younger demographic, and also more mixed gender. So whereas years ago, we would have been astonished, uh, really, if a a girl brought her male partner into a venue to introduce him to whiskey. (laughs) That was very (laughs) unusual. Now we're not surprised at all. And when I go around the world uh, to Asia and Canada, you will see a much younger demographic there. And if you only look to our new members, say in the last eight to ten years, would find it's very different from the overall membership that's gathered over the 37 years. And
1: has that been quite or, or like, an organic process? So, like, you know, there's is there older members who think, oh, what are all these young people doing here? Or is it generally quite, you know, welcoming? No,
2: no, 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 no. It's really fantastic how the, the two different types of people interact with each other. It's terrific, you know? I think uh, the older generation realise the world is changing. They see and read and they hear. About Scotch whiskey, all over the media, TV programs, uh, as the younger people are doing, and they're actually, as I said, on a journey of discovery too. So they actually have a, they have a great time talking to each other about what they think about the whiskey and that kind of thing.
1: So whiskey does kind of bring people together, like that. I, th- I, th- I think it's
2: always been like that. I think what you, what, Scotch whiskey is part of Scottish history, Scottish culture, Scottish life. It's part of the land. It's part of our heritage you know and I think that scotch whiskey has always brought people together I remember as a youngster uh, my our family gatherings particularly at Hogmanay, with my father and my uncles and both sides all bringing their New year bottle along to my grandmother's house and sharing that bottle and uh, the whiskey just oiled the, the the fun the family celebrations and I think it's always been like that I think the best place To drink whiskey is with other people.
1: Um, And would you say that's quite a good explanation of the society's ethos, focus and taste?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Our society started in 1983 in the teeth of our whiskey recession. There was a whole economic recession and whiskey was suffering as well. A man called Pip Hills, who started the society off, it was a very brave thing to do in 1983, I can <laughs> tell you, but uh, because the Scotch whisky industry was suffering, I think people must have thought he was mad. But the the idea was to celebrate the individual flavours that single cask, single malt can bring to people, you know. And it was always all about getting members together, about gatherings, and about discovering these. Fantastic flavors together.
1: And um, was there a moment that sparked your appreciation of whiskey?
2: Oh, I don't know how long you've got. <laughs> <husband>. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, what, when, I, when I was, g- I just mentioned growing up in my family, my father and my uncles all drinking. What, what was mostly blended whiskey back then when I was when I was a lad. And then one time in 1983, me and two of my friends and three girls went on holiday to Isla on the last week in May 1983. Before visitor centres, before festivals, before single malt whisky had become the phenomenon it is now. And me and the two lads rocked up at LaFroig one day, chapter door. The security guard came down, a guy called Mr. John Calder. And he said, what do you want, lads? Who would like to do a tour? He says, we don't do tours. <laughs> Go away. You know, what do you think you're doing? But we got chatting to him and it turned out he was a retired Glasgow policeman. Back to live out his retirement on Isla I was working part time at Lafroy. And as we talked, it found out he knew my father oh, wow. in Glasgow. <laughs> and but I said to add, it was not from his work as a Glasgow policeman. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were members of the same bowling club or something. So John took us in, did the tour, introduced us to all the lads, took us into the warehouse and poured us a glass of single cask that straight from that cask. Oh. And we said, that is fantastic. So we can buy that. He said, you can't buy that. We don't bottle single cast. That all gets mixed with other casks for Lafroy 10. And we thought, oh, you big T's. <laughs> I remember that visit as if it was yesterday. And later on that year, I found out that there was a strange society in Edinburgh set up to bottle single cask single malt. And I joined fairly soon afterwards. But every time I have, a Freud or whatever expression it takes me right back to that moment. I remember Big John Calder. That's when it. That's when I got hooked into single malt whisky.
1: And, um, you know, we've kind of discussed the best uh, setting to enjoy a whiskey. It would be with other people, like Music Company. And is that the type of... Is that what people can expect when they come to one of the uh, bars?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the, uh, if you're in a bar, you'll see there's people coming in in a group of two or three, but they know a group is sitting over there in the corner and they'll join, you know, and they'll have a chat and they'll... They, they, and some, some, some of our members become close friends with people that they've actually met in the society that's just the way it goes and uh, the bar ambassadors are all friendly and helpful about what whiskies are good that month we've got 12 flavor profiles uh, to try and help people understand what whiskey might be right for them that month so our bar ambassadors will talk to members or the guests, some guests come in with members and we'll talk them through that and gradually get them to understand what they might like.
1: Uh, and what are the typical stages that people go through after they discover whiskey?
2: The number of people that we meet, sometimes guests or members who come in or maybe just talking to people who say, I hate whiskey, I hate whiskey. And I say, why is that? I say, because I had one at a party once, somebody's 18th birthday party, and it made me ill. I've never drank it since. And, and you, you inquire about it, and it turns out that three o'clock in the morning, when every other drink was finished, someone gave them this whiskey, and they blamed that for the illness and the hangover the following morning, <laughs> you know, and I've never, never touched it since. So far, I've, I've worked out there's about a quarter of a million people at that party. <laughs> 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 but, but what happens is that when, when people discover yeah, when well, they come into our, our venue, for example, they're talking to me, it's a tasting or an event, and we say, well, look, try this. And it may be from our juicy oak and vanilla or sweet, fruity and mellow flavour profile. And, they, and it's as if they've been hit by a Muhammad Ali right hook. Like, oh my God, that's not whiskey. I said, yes, it is whiskey, you know. And once when, when, when they discover this uh, fantastic flavour, they want to taste a bit more, try all our flavor profiles and when they've done that and they actually start to become appreciator i guess of whiskey they want to know about the distilleries where it comes from how it's made you know and 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 it's got a small whiskey society we help with that because in our members magazine and on our blog and our social media posts we talk a lot about distilleries and the processes and and in an educational informative way so gradually our members go through this journey of un, of of discovery then understanding but as i said before you can never get to a point where you think you know it all because there's something else around the corner and for Scottish Malt Whiskey Society members, there's something new every single month. That's what we're all about, you know.
1: And so obviously just now uh, we're all at home. The bars are all closed because of lockdown. But how has the society yes. been adapting to the current situation?
2: Like every every everyone else, we're just trying to do as much as we can virtually. We've been doing live tastings, virtual tastings here. We have a kind of pub evening every Friday. Special guests, it might be musicians, it might be, uh, other whiskey people, it might be a member, and we have a little bit of chat. and People are sitting at home enjoying a whiskey as they go. We've got lots of stuff on the website. I've just reading yesterday, we're now going to try and do some home deliveries for food to go with the whiskey. Oh, nice. Uh, so, uh, and, and the, the most important thing though is that members can still log on and buy each month's whiskey as if. It was normal times. I've just had a bit of a delivery, a couple of deliveries myself this week. We're just trying to keep members as attached as possible. And where I am down here in the southeast of England, I'm trying to keep in contact with uh, members who I'm friends with and others and also reaching out to ordinary whiskey clubs to do Scotch Malt Whisky Society tastings and that kind of thing.
1: That'd be nice. And um, something that we've all kind of gotten a bit more into is these uh, online quizzes. I know that the society has done some work with wildlife expert Nick Baker to match <laughs> to match uh, wildlife to whiskey to find your spirit animal. So what can you tell me about that?
2: So Nick came along with his psychology and his sense of fun. He was on our pub night last Friday when you have a really lively, uh, you know, like entertaining presentation about all of this by answering a few questions. Uh, you get attached to a flavour profile. As I said, I've got 12, we've got 12 flavour profiles to try and describe uh, the whiskey in the bottle. And you, you got attached to a flavour profile and uh, an animal uh, by virtue of asking these questions. So next very carefully designed <laughs> this. I don't think I completely understand the psychology, but I came out as an African elephant and, and I was the old and dignified flavour profile. What I said to people was at least they got the old right. <laughs> <laughs> but I've known other people who would be sharks and bears and all sorts of things. Some of my some of my member friends in Germany, she was a bear so she's promised to give me a big hug. We've we able to see each other,
1: <laughs> so I need to give that a go. Um, and uh, just finally, what uh, tips would you give for people looking to arrange a tasting at home?
2: Well, we you, know, you can you can download a tasting mat. Uh, from our site, and that's often helpful. If if you're having a tasting, are you talking about at the moment, Rosalind, or a normal times?
1: Um, at the moment, yeah, just.
2: At the moment, okay. So obviously, you're going to connect virtually. So if you can get these tastings, matched to your friends, and if, if they employ us, we could probably get the samples out to people to do a tasting. Or if they have the whiskey themselves and they want to pour any sample bottles and then get it to their friends. That's fine. And then when you get together virtually on Zoom or something like that, then it's good to have maybe five. So if you're doing five whiskies, it's good to have five glasses in front of you. So you can pour the whiskey into each glass and then maybe during the tasting, go back to number one or two rather than finish one and then pour the next one because then you can't contrast and compare as you go through the tasting. But I think the best thing to do is just to... Try to get people to interact, see what they're getting, because some people are shy and everybody will get something different. Our, our olfactory systems are very, very personal things. So it's good just to have a bit of fun. You know, let's talk about other things, other than the whiskey as you go through, because it's about friends getting together and just encourage people to make a contribution. What you'll normally find, and this happens right across the world, is that maybe people are more likely to be expressive after the second or third one
1: <laughs> yeah but that's great thank you very much so yeah hopefully meet up at some point soon for a jam
2: great stuff lovely talking to you Rosalind. thank you very much for the call
1: thank you very much see you later bye 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 now from drinks to self-development this week i spoke to Kirsty mccaro who runs the edinburgh whiskey academy which is home to a range of courses that can be done online the academy is offering a discount on courses at this time so it's ideal for those at home who want to further their whiskey knowledge Hi, Kirsty.
3: Hi, Rosalind. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine.
1: How are you getting on working from home? I mean,
3: I think like most people, it's quite challenging with balancing sort of homeschooling and, and work. Um, so it's just one day at a time. But so far, so far we're, we're managing.
1: And um, so you set up the um, Edinburgh Whiskey Academy in 2015, I think it was. Yes. What prompted this decision?
3: Well, the idea came to me when I was working as a brand ambassador for Glenmore and Gienard Begg in Scandinavia. And I received super brand training, but I really wanted to improve my knowledge of the sort of fundamentals of whiskey. uh, Starting, you know, even including the the history of whiskey, you know, the production process, the whiskey market at the moment. um, And I couldn't find any course that uh, really suited my needs. So, when I came back to uh, Scotland, I decided to set up a whiskey academy that that delivered these courses. And, you know, central to my sort of goal was that the information had to be brand neutral and that the content was created and delivered by experts, by the people who actually did that job day to day. And also that it had a, you you were assured of a certain standard. So, we became um, an SQA approved centre. And all of our courses are certified by the SQA.
1: So that means once you complete a course and the exams, you have like an actual qualification, the same as you would like a standard grade or higher, that type of thing?
3: Yes, uh, we're slightly different because we're a customised award. So we're not on the points, the national points framework. Um, So it's difficult to sort of quantify the level of the course against something like a HND or something like that. But yes, you get your SQA certificate. And we are audited every year, just the same as a school or college would be. So candidates really can be guaranteed that it's the highest standard of teaching and content that's possible.
1: Nice. And uh, what courses are on offer? And um, having had a look on the website, you've got courses and diplomas. So what's the difference between those? Is it just the level of work or
3: the qualification? Or So, yeah, the, the diplomas, they are taught or they were taught face-to-face, so they're obviously on hold at the moment. And they're much more in-depth. They're very intense, short courses where you have a couple of modules for pre-reading, and then over the course of the one- or two-day courses, you're taught the remainder of the work. On the Diploma in the Art of Tasting, that's quite an interactive one. There's lots of uh, samples being nosed. And on the Diploma in Single Malt Whiskey, that's a two-day one, which is much more about the production process. So, and then on the online, which we're really focusing on at the moment, uh, we've got the Introduction to Whiskey Certificate. And it covers, it starts from the history, similar to the Diploma in Single Malt, but perhaps at a slightly more accessible level. And it covers the whole production process, but also including bottling and grain distillation. And then we've created these standalone modules, which which people can um, dip in and dip out of, the Focus on Flavour and the Wake Up Your Whiskey Nose. So they focus really on the olfactory system, what happens when you nose a whiskey, and where in the production process the flavour originates. That sounds really interesting.
1: Um, one of the other people I've had on the podcast this week is Blair Bowman and he was telling me he helped um, write some of the, the content for the courses and I asked him how best to like train your nose because it, fe- it feels like one of those things whereby like people tell you what the tasting notes are and you think all right yeah but he was saying like you can do it and he did it when he lived abroad and it was like smelling different lots of different things and so it's interesting to have that broken down in a course like I think that would be really helpful for people that want to know more about training their own senses for whiskey.
3: Totally. And and that's the beauty of it. It is practice. Mm -hmm. The olfactory system is so unique and it's how you store aroma memories. And um, so learning more about it really allows the, the, the candidate or the enthusiast to develop their own whiskey aroma. Memory.
1: And do you find it's like the people that come through the courses is a mix of like, you know, industry people as well as like complete beginners, that kind of?
3: Totally. Yeah. No, we, we train a lot of the industry um, as well as enthusiasts. And I think that was the thing when the idea for the Academy, you know, I was thinking about it. I thought I was a brand ambassador and I knew that this would be really attractive to other industry professionals, but also enthusiasts because we all love learning about whiskey. And you know, the, the better your knowledge is, the more you the more you can enhance your appreciation of it. And it's such a it's such a wonderful world. It's so it's, the drink itself is so complex, but you know the stories behind it, the processes, everything. There's just so much to it that you can constantly learn new things.
1: And is there any particular course that's very popular, or are they all quite well attended?
3: Uh, well, I mean the. Two-day Diploma in Single Malt Whiskey, which is the one that we launched with. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the most well-known one because that's been running since 2016. But they're all equally popular. We've since launched the um, Diploma in the Art of Tasting Whiskey, which, like I say, is the olfactory focusing on the olfactory system. A Diploma in Gin, uh, which is taught at the Botanics. And then with our online, people are actually really loving the, the standalone modules, I think. There at a slightly um, lower price point. We've also reduced our prices by thirty percent for the duration of this you know time until we can get back to to normal. so the the standalone modules are are really attractive. We're really trying to develop uh, lots of free resources for people to read. We've got another ebook coming out next week in in celebration of World Whiskey Day. And a couple of other downloads are in in the pipeline. So we're just trying to get out as much content as possible to people to, you know, try and give a pos- positive distraction at the moment.
1: Yeah, because now is the perfect time for people who have a bit of time to kind of get involved with things they've maybe been putting off, which is obviously because of the lockdown. Yeah. You know, you were saying that some of the courses were usually face-to-face. Has that been the main thing that's affected the courses during the lockdown that you can't have, like, obviously, face-to-face interaction? Yeah.
3: No, no, totally. So, I mean, we're lucky in that, you know, we have two elements. We do have the online side. So we've been really focusing on that Obviously, um, because the face-to-faces, they are small groups, but I'm not sure when we'll be able to get back to that. Um, So so we're really trying to further the online offering and the courses are proving really popular. So we're very lucky to have that um, other side, which we can still work on.
1: And you said that um, the courses are good for anyone from the industry to beginners, but um, what advice would you give someone who's looking to get into the whiskey industry? Would it be start with one of these courses and then, you know, take it from there?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously I would say start, <laughs> with, the, start with the course, but we have had um, actually a couple of candidates who were trying to get into the industry and they took our course and not necessarily on the back of our course, but they have since gone on to uh, become brand ambassadors for... Chivas and, um, another, another company. And so these courses are known by the industry. Um, so, and because it's SQA certified and you can be assured of the standards, then, um, they, if you do get your certificate, it does actually mean something, but equally it's just increasing your knowledge, you know, come and do a course, go and work in a, you know, in a whiskey bar, get as much experience, as much knowledge as possible, and really start following, you know, following the brands, keeping your knowledge current, and uh, and just just keep trying.
1: And um, so, you've you were a brand ambassador. So, have you always been um, into whiskey? And if so, what was your earliest memory of whiskey?
3: I have always enjoyed whiskey, but I was actually a paramedic for most of my my uh, pre whiskey life. But I've grown up around whiskey. My mum's family are McKinley's, so they started McKinley's back in the 1800s. And then my father was was working at Glenmorangie during the 80s and early 90s when they started the uh, whole wood finish range and their cradle degree wood philosophy. Um, so my first experience of whiskey was actually, I think I was about eight when my father brought home some samples from the different cask finishes that they were uh, trialing at the time and put them all in nosing glasses and, and we all me my sister and my brother all nosed them and said what you know what flavors we 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 smelt um so I think you know whiskey's I've just grown up hearing whiskey stories I've got a big emotional connection to it I think because of my family's involvement um so so yeah
1: so how did you make the jump from paramedic to brand ambassador because that's quite different
3: it was totally different <laughs> so uh I'd moved out to Norway to be with my husband now and um, we moved from I was a paramedic in Norway but then when we moved to Sweden uh, we just had our first kid and so I set up a a whiskey consultancy because we were up in a ski town in the north of Sweden and I thought oh this will be a you know a good thing for conferences and, and groups and stuff. And then on the back of that I got offered the brand ambassador job with Moet Hennessy who have a uh, Glamorange in our bag. So just purely by luck. Um, And, you know, it was a fantastic time. The Swedes are so, so passionate about their whisky, really knowledgeable as well. And, you know, they're great brands. And it's just it's a lovely industry to be involved in because it's really everyone's very positive. You get to know the other uh, brand ambassadors. Everyone's super friendly. And, you know, you are training and, you know, teaching whisky day in, day out. And it's, you know, it's, it's a really fun job.
1: Yeah, it always seems like, I follow quite a few brand ambassadors on social media and it always seems like a really nice job, always a lot of travelling, very, gla- it seems very glamorous. I know none of these things do, like they are fully glamorous, but I always think it seems like a good one to get into.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was that glamorous, but I suppose <laughs> it, it depends, you know, on uh, on where you are, but yeah, I mean, the travel is, is a lot. Um, I was very lucky, I was just based in, uh, primarily in Sweden. But, uh, but yeah, I think the travel's exhausting, and uh, but it's so much fun.
1: and um, I suppose one of the if you were a brand ambassador now the one of the main things that's changed during lockdown is you can't travel. But do you have any thoughts on what how the lockdown and uh, coronavirus is, has affected the whisk industry and how it might affect it in the future?
3: i mean i know I, I know quite a few brand ambassadors who I've spoken to over the past you know few weeks, and, and they're all still very busy. They're um, doing a lot of virtual tastings, in-house training and I think also, you know, trying to work out how they can still reach the market through, you know, the restrictions. I have no idea how it will affect the industry, but the industry is really resilient. It's, you know, pre-lockdown, um, I think it was something like over 41 bottles of Scotch whisky were shipped abroad every second um, so, you know, it, it's a massive industry and it will survive. It, things may be different for, for a period of time, but it'll be very resilient. And um,
1: so d- recently, um, well, not that recently, but obviously whiskey went through a bit of a decline and it's now seemingly on a rise again, like quite quite quickly has become very popular and um, well, it's no longer really seen as like you know, an old man's drink that you know it's quite inaccessible. Um, what do you think about that in terms of the way attitudes have changed and people using it in cocktails and just generally it been becoming a bit more popular?
3: Oh I think it's excellent you know the late late 60s early 70s you know 80s when you know single malt was was really just beginning as a sort of category in its own. At that stage it was all about blends and it was all very sort of twee, heather, you know, type scenes and stuff. You know, very sort of twee Scottish, and and they totally broke that mould by coming out with you know innovative uh, messages that focused on the provenance of the of the whiskey, the the quality of the whiskey, um, and you know really sort of took the the moral leadership in in that sense. Um, so now to have, or you know, of late to have this new focus on and cocktails and it's it's a drink for everyone, not just you know your grandfather I think is excellent um so no really welcome it and uh and there's some fantastic whiskey cocktails out there
1: yeah no it's good to try them as well
3: <laughs> yes no they're, but they're quite potent some of them you have to, yeah
1: <laughs> have to watch them. I've been um, getting quite creative trying to make cocktails at home um have you've been is there anything that you've been uh, either eating or drinking during lockdown are you enjoying any drams at home especially when they lead up to
3: world whiskey day? My favorite sort of whiskey um, cocktail is an old fashioned. So we've been having a, a few of them and and that's what I will be having on World Whiskey Day. But there's also um, I had once a, a smojito, which I think was actually made with our bag. But I presume you could use um, any smoky which, whiskey, which is a mojito, but obviously with with a whiskey instead and they are amazing. So one of
1: the um, parts of the podcast is called Desert Island Jams um, which I'm going to ask you about so if you could only take three jams onto a desert island what would they be and why?
3: Um, so I think obviously Ardberg 10 it delivers it's just a personal favourite and I, I love the the complexity in it and then probably also a Highland Park probably Highland Park Loki I'd take and then Old Pulteney I love the the brand and the distillery and I just think it's a it's a it's a lighter style whiskey
1: nice okay I think that's probably everything thank you excellent okay well thanks so much Rosalind thank you very much perfect cheers bye 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 I don't know about you but I'll definitely be signing up to another online course soon thanks very much Kirsty finally here's my lockdown meal of choice and a drink that you can try at home I'm here in my kitchen in Glasgow to talk about my lockdown cuisine things I've been enjoying eating and drinking over the last couple of weeks I've not done lots of cooking because in the last week or so quite a few restaurants and cafes in Glasgow have opened up for takeaway or delivery so I've enjoyed a lovely Malaysian platter from Julie's Kopitiam anyone who's listened to Scram Season 1 will have heard Julie's interview with me she talked about her cooking style her influences and how her mum is still her biggest influence and critic that's available to listen to on Entail and Spotify and Apple Podcasts another restaurant that's opened up recently is Kale Brook, which is just about 10 minutes along the road from me on Great Western Road they are an award winning um, restaurant in Glasgow who shut obviously back in March they've reopened for delivery and collection only and we had a lovely three course meal which was complete restaurant style but at home easy to heat up and cook, c- cook some of the dishes yourself and it was absolutely lovely it's if you're not really up for some fine dining and you're missing pub grub then Lebowski's West have started doing delivery and um, we got some burgers and chicken wings and fries and things so all in all I've not been doing a lot of cooking I've been enjoying cuisine from restaurants and some bars in Glasgow which has been great but we have still been drinking, making some drinks at home and um, because this is a World Whiskey Day podcast I am going to make a whiskey highball uh, the whiskey I'm using is Benry 10. Uh, recently I listened to an Instagram live with some of their staff, Guy called um, Stuart Buchanan and they were talking about how 10 is a summery whiskey which might seem a bit strange but it is it's very light it's quite fruity it's nice on its own but if you're not really up for that then it's brilliant in cocktails so I'm going to get some ice some 10, and some Bon Accord sodas so so they deliver they're based in Edinburgh and I've got a delivery of them this week so we're going to have a salted grapefruit soda and 10 with lots of ice because it's again really warm Just fill a glass with ice, it can be as tall a drink as you want. I've got quite a short one here, but it's quite good. Tall I'll do a shot of Ben Ria. and then we've got the salty grapefruit soda. There you go, it's a lovely refreshing drink for a lovely sunny afternoon. Cheers! Thanks again to Blair, Kirsty and John. They've given me a lot of inspiration for drinks and how best to spend some downtime in lockdown. Thank you also to the Glasgow Distillery Company. Don't forget to grab a bottle in their spring sale. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll be back on the 22nd of May for another episode of Scran. I hope this season gives you all some light relief in our current circumstances and ideas of what to cook and drink while staying at home. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited, and mixed by Morvin McIntyre. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter, where we are at LaudablePods, and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore
3: podcasts.